But right now I'm joined by Green MP Denise Roche. Good morning, Good Denise. Morning. Oh, I better turn your mic on. That would help, hey? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Dunedin. Welcome to Party. Oh, thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's not exactly a picture postcard day. Uh, any day's a good day in Dunedin, isn't it? That's right. That, you're, you're completely right there. You're endearing to yourself to the public already. Well done. You're a politician. <laughs> totally political. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we're going to have like a, maybe a two-fold uh, conversation because um, you have a very important bill before Parliament, but you're also down in Dunedin uh, to get to the grassroots within the ethnic community. Um, you want to, you were saying a little bit off here, you want to kind of formulate bills um, or, or policy for the next election, but this time, and I think it's a great idea, you want to come and ask the people involved kind of what they want. Yeah, I mean, um, the classic thing that happens is around election time, you'll see a whole bunch of politicians trying to get photos taken next to someone who's from a different ethnic community or, mm -hmm. you know, a brown person or someone, you know, who's not kind of like your traditional privileged white male yeah and um frequently what the greens have done is we've released policy and said look hey essentially when we do that what we're saying is we know what's good for you mm. uh, and so what i've been working on is the ethnic affairs spokesperson and refugee spokesperson and immigration spokesperson is actually starting to make the connections with the communities themselves yeah. and ask them look what do you want from the greens how can we help so it's kind of like a listening tour yeah uh and the idea Hopefully the idea is, is that we start to build trusting relationships, mm -hmm. but also uh, hopefully it would encourage more people to engage with politics, because um, for some cultures, new migrants, uh, there's a bit of a hesitancy around getting involved and participating in, uh, in, in the whole democratic process because yeah. it's, it's um, a bit unusual for them. So um, to actually see a politician but also to have their say to a politician can make a little bit of a difference. Yeah, I mean politics overseas is a lot different than it is here. I mean in some respects it can be quite tribal. Yeah. Uh, and can turn quite violent in, in yeah, some and, ways. And, and you don't have access to politicians a lot of the times in some places. Mm. They're sort of, um, you know, held quite quite far away from the real people. You know, they're yeah. behind motorcades and I don't know, all that sort of stuff. So we're very accessible. So it's one of the one of the things that I wanted to do, though, was to build the, the relationship so that we do actually get an idea of what's going on. But the idea is that eventually we'll change the face of parliament and yeah. we'll change the face of councils mm -hmm. uh, that will have more diversity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I guess with the more diverse council and parliament, um, they've got a, a bigger background and, and knowledge in what New Zealand as a multicultural society needs. Yeah, um, and, I, and we need that. Yeah. We absolutely need that um, because we are uh, we are increasingly diverse. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and we, we can't... We can't sort of just presume that the white Pakia way is the only way. Mm. And frequently that's what a lot of new migrants feel like, particularly in small yeah. numbers. So, yeah, so that's the idea, is that we uh, we form alliances, basically. Yeah. And say, what do you want? How can we change our policy that would suit you? How can we represent mm -hmm. all New Zealanders? I mean, I guess the struggle there is that um, the majority of uh, ethnic uh, communities and whatnot are in urban areas. Um, and when it comes to poll like uh, polling days and stuff like that, um, you've got large swathes of the country that aren't and are still pretty much white middle class areas. Yeah, well, you know, what, what tends to happen is that the well-informed, the well-educated and the older and the white 
tend to vote. Mm. And you see that particularly in local government, yeah. uh, which is, you know, postal ballot, but you see that the, you know, the right, if you like, are very well organised and mm. get, get to it. But other groups uh, who are more vulnerable or who are feel less, um, who feel more disenfranchised, like young people, for example, yeah. uh, don't vote in droves. Yeah. So we need to let them know they've got the power to vote as well and to en- en- enact change. Yes, definitely. If, if they want change, which yes. they should want change. They should want change. <laughs> but part of the thing is they don't see people like themselves in those positions of power so they don't know that it's achievable. So it's yeah. this circle where you vote for the people who look like you. Mm. And if you don't see people who look like you, then you may not vote. So, uh, so we need to get more young people and positions of power, but that means we need to get young people voting. For you them. must like the look of our council. We'll get a couple of young'uns on there doing the right things. Yeah, I do actually, yeah. and I'm particularly fond of Aaron. Well, you know, aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? I'd like, I'd like to thank you and the Green Party uh, for helping him get elected, so I could have this job. Oh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that, but I'll pass oh, it on. This was his old job. Oh, before, really? Before he went to council, he was the Radio One breakfast host. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. See, you know. There's a future for you, Jamie. Yeah, oh no, please don't say that. <laughs> no, that's right. We need to keep the media and politics separate, right? Yeah, yeah, um, well, yes. Uh, so that's happening, but also you've got a, is a private member's bill? Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, in front of Parliament, um, the Immigration Amendment Bill, you want to lift the quota of refugees from 750 to 1,000. Doesn't seem like much, no. and it's not much, but it's such a bloody struggle. Yeah, well, I um, I developed the Members' Bill last year. I presented it to Parliament, had, and the reason it's 1,000 is for purely pragmatic reasons. It's yeah. that, just that I could get cross-party support from both ACT and United Future, mm-hmm. as well as the Māori Party and uh, and Labour. Yeah. Uh, but it was blocked by National. Yeah. And it was like, well, look, let's start. 750 is, it's been like that since 1987, uh, and it hasn't increased. And in fact, we haven't reached that quota over the last uh, last few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, like a tiny amount. Um, really what I think we need to do is at least double it. Yeah. And doubling it, we would be playing catch-up to where we were oh, in 1987. Be, but we'd still be very small in terms yeah. of per capita on a world basis. Absolutely. I mean, we're something like 94th. Yeah, and I would even think per um, um, GDP, we'd be... Yeah. Very poor. That's right. You know? and, yeah. And we can, we can, I mean, if we compare ourselves with similar economies like, um, you know, Ireland, for example, uh, where, you know, they do four or five times better than we do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, why why the national blocker, essentially? Um, I think, I think the thing is... Unpopular? Uh, I think it's... Well, my assessment is that they did shift on the Syrian issue, mm. but they shifted because they're poll-driven. Yeah. Uh, and so when the young boy, Alain, uh, washed up, and the, those horrific images of the children who were uh, were killed as they tried to cross mm. cross the sea to safety, uh, and that huge uh, public outpouring of um, of of urgency about doing something about um, the refugee quota that I believe shifted the government and it's, and I do believe that it's really only um, political pressure from the public that will shift the government so there's some really good campaigns happening at the moment um, Rupert Murdoch uh, is on a, uh, a on a tour at the moment and he's uh, he's running the double our quota um, kind of website and uh-huh. petition, the submissions on that. 
the government will make the decision about increasing the quota in the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it doesn't have to come before Parliament. And so my bill was just an attempt to try and force government to make a decision. decision. But really it's just a decision made by Cabinet. Yeah. So yeah. any pressure that we can put on the government at the moment and Cabinet Ministers at the moment are, is really crucial. You know, this is the problem with politics in the 21st century and I guess it probably has been for a long time uh, but it's a lot more noticeable now I think is the fact that everybody lives in fear of not being in the next government. Whether or not the decisions they make are good or bad, um, they don't want to make decisions that rock the boat. We see this with um, the retirement age you know, unpopular policies um, with the people, even if they're really, really important and, and, and the thing that needs to be done. So it, it's, it, see it it's climate very, change. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very, very frustrating. Well, yeah, and it's the, the whole fact that um, uh, some political parties are... Uh, they, they work on the three-year cycle, so yeah. it's very short-term thinking. But, the, but these MPs are in for themselves. I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't mind getting voted out uh, and losing your seat in Parliament as, as long as you invoke some good change in society, right? Yeah, well, we, because we're all list MPs as well, it's our, our members that determine oh. um, both our performance uh, and our, our list ranking. So it's very democratic. So if the party doesn't think you're doing a good job, then you go down the list, you don't get in anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, it's our, it's our members that make the policy. So we've got a policy conference uh, this weekend up in Nelson, our South Island Policy Conference, and I'll be taking the information that I've gathered already from the ethnic communities uh -huh. to the policy conference, to our members, to say, this is the feedback I'm getting. What do you think? Do we need to change our policy? Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's, it's a little bit more democratic, but it also gives us the ability to think in long-term solutions. And if you think about some of the things that we have achieved, even in opposition, like the insulation of houses, mm -hmm. and we worked with both Labour and National to achieve that, um, and I, it's, I think it's 200,000 or 300,000 houses that were insulated, yeah. which had sort of multiple benefits, health benefits, energy benefits. Mm. All those sorts of benefits, and they're long-term solutions. And these as well. are no-brain policies. Though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. still, there's so many non-brain policies out there that don't get through, like uh, feeding our kids. I know, <laughs> I know, um, and it's yeah. I take your point too. Kids don't vote, right? Yeah. No, of course not. You know, and who cares if uh, they vote in the future? Because we're all about this cycle and yeah. the next. Yeah. I think though, in order to change it, you do need to get involved mm -hmm. rather than disengage. But you know, there's an the argument out there when it comes to refugees. Um, sorry to go back to that because, of course, you're in for the ethnic communities at the moment. But um, no, you know, our, our biggest export product is um, down the gurgler. It's on its way out. Uh, it's when it, we go back to cycles. We've seen this for many years, and I, my and my audience get sick of it. But we saw it with sheep meat. We saw it with wool. We saw it with deer in the 90s. We see it with everything. There's these cycles. But it's even worse now because farmers have borrowed so much money to convert. Um, but you've got uh, more and more children living under the poverty line and you've got a shrinking in the unskilled labor market um, which I would assume a lot of refugees coming here um, or quite a few of them would probably be unskilled yeah there's um well actually the, the, there's a range of people yeah and our refugee policy as well uh, one of the good things that we do do is we take a higher proportion of single women and children yeah that's fantastic yeah um, uh, but it, you know it can take up to five years for mm. them to become uh, settled yeah. but if you look at some of people don't stay refugees 
No. Uh, and we do have some very, very highly qualified ones who, who make it here as well. But yes, the ones that don't, that are lacking in education, there are there are still unskilled jobs out there, you know, like the farming sector, for example. Yeah. Um, we've just been talking with the Filipino Dairy Workers Union people um, of migrants, they're not uh-huh. refugees, they're migrants. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I worry about that because of the exploitation, it's the terrible. potential exploitation of workers. Um and it, and it's something we have to keep a close eye on. Yeah. Because uh, we can't we can't live in a society that derives profits from the exploitation of, of people who've done it for too long with women, for example. Yeah. Anyway, that's another topic. <laughs> back so to topics. back to refugees and the question that you asked me about um, about jobs. And I think you're right. We need to be diversifying away from uh, from dairy. Mm. Oh. But we've we've. You know, it's more poor, no-brainer stuff. Yeah, it's poor economics, and uh, our government are not are not clever economic um, handlers. You know, they really aren't. No. The, the reliance on raw products uh, as a way of stimulating our economy is just ridiculous. Because yeah. we've gone into this bust and boom kind of cycle as a yeah. result. Um, so yeah, the the solution, and we do have solutions, is around investing in education. Yeah. brings me back to university here. Well, I mean, of course it's... I mean, education is creating new ideas, creating new ideas, creates new jobs, you know, and new industry. Yeah, and research and development. We're yep. one of the worst in the world it's, for, you know... For and we're only getting it. worse. We in are. In terms of that, they're, you know, ripping funding left, right and centre, so... Yeah, that's right. And it's these short-term, you know, again, these 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 short-term things yep. um, which are having long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to be investing in those longer-term solutions in order to get the benefits for all of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So where are you going to be today? Uh, today I'm going to be with the South Dunedin Women's uh, Multicultural Group. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be talking with them and I've got another couple of uh, things on. I have to ask Fran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just do what Francisco Hernandez says. Yeah, well it's good to see you going to the people, not to just the Gander votes, but to come up with policy uh, that would be for the betterment of uh, New Zealand as a multicultural society. Well, it's all about encouraging and them to get involved. Get, yeah. If they join it would make, make it so much easier too, you know. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be saying that. Uh, Well, thank you for joining me this morning. It's been a pleasure. Oh, well, it's really great to be here, actually. I love Dunedin, and um, uh, O-Week's kind of interesting, but, um, (laughs) you know, we've, we've been having stalls down here as well. Yeah, yeah.